Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind Healthy Life the podcast where we explore the transformative power of cultivating happiness and well-being so i'm your host avik and in each episode we will delve into the secrets of living a more fulfilled and the meaningful life so today i'm thrilled to have an extraordinary guest joining us someone whose work is touching the lives of millions around the globe so please welcome the multi award winning meditation teacher the creator of the happy habit app and the best selling author of the self help book 10 pathways by fleur chambers so welcome to the show fleur thank you very much for having me it's my pleasure to be here great great so also like before we uh, start or delving deep into this topic i definitely like to uh, mention this to all of our listeners that uh, with over 2 million downloads in 40 different countries fred is on a mission to help people find a lasting sense of happiness so through her groundbreaking work she is introducing a new perspective on happiness one that embraces the challenges and fosters genuine growth so what sets fred apart in is is her commitment to giving back so redirecting over 30% of the profits from her ventures she is providing funding for micro projects that bring clean drinking water and un- i mean education to some of the world's most vulnerable communities so that's a great initiative i would say and also like uh, facing a health diagnosis with no care fluer's personal journey uh, led her to discover the power of meditation in transforming her response to pain so armed with uh, these uh, life changing insights she's crafted the pain pathways framework a science backed and spiritually informed approach to lasting happiness so with her app and the self help book based on the 10 pathways fluer has positively impacted the lives of over like 1 lakh individuals uh, helping them embrace challenges as a pathway to a more authentic and a vibrant ex- existence so get ready to embark on a journey of self discovery and the resilience as we deep dive into the world of meditation happiness and the transformational power of pain pathways so join us in this captivating conversation as we learn how how to work uh, wholeheartedly alongside life's challenges and uncover the keys to genuine lasting happiness so welcome back to the show again thank you for that very generous uh, introduction that was lovely <laughs> <laughs> 
great thank you so um like before we uh, get uh, deeper into this topic like just to understand like how did you first discover the concept of cultivating your mind garden and uh, what inspired you to embark on this transformative journey of the meditation and happiness so i first became aware of just how many negative, self-critical, cautionary thoughts we can have when I became a mother. So I had three small children and my heart was desperate to do a good job, to love them, to be a good mother. And my mind was just being so critical. It was moving into the past, replaying conversations, telling me I hadn't done well enough, I should have done more, or it was transporting me into the future, planning tomorrow, thinking if I could get on top of all the micro details that I would be happy. And so there was this disconnect between what my heart was really yearning for, which was to be present and there for my three small children and this busy critical mind that was just transporting me into the past or projecting me into the future saying pretty nasty things and taking me away from the present so i became very curious about the conversations we have with ourselves inside our heads and this idea that we have up to eighty thousand thoughts per day most of them we had yesterday, same version, slightly different iteration. And also about 60 to 80% of them have a really cautionary negative tone to them. So I began the journey of really trying to get to know those thoughts and to create space between them and who I am deep down because when we create that space, that's when we get to explore different thoughts, invite in different ideas, and to not feel so pulled in. And with the communities that I support um, and the people I support, this is when they have the breakthroughs, when they realize that they are not their thoughts, they are the awareness that notices their thoughts. And so meditation is that powerful tool that we use to create the space between us and those habitual thoughts. Oh, definitely. So uh, like uh, your Happy Habit app has uh, reached over 2 million downloads in uh, 40 different countries, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, which is helping people find lasting happiness. So what motivated you to create this app and uh, what are some of the key elements that make it effective in fostering the mental wellness? Oh, that's a great question. So I um, was diagnosed with a chronic pain condition that had no cure about six or seven years ago after having a lot of time before that in pain. And so working face-to-face -face with my students was becoming more and more difficult. I was feeling anxious before sessions. I was worried that my pain was going to impact my ability to teach. And so I really had to work out how I could continue to support people, but in a way that um, made me feel less anxious around my pain. And so I developed a meditation app 
And the idea then of being able to support a much more diverse audience was very, very exciting for me. So I have, as you said, people of all different ethnicities, races, cultural backgrounds, life histories, age, gender, all coming and learning to meditate through that app. And that feels very exciting for me. And I guess what happened through my journey with chronic pain is that I realized that it was possible to be happy even whilst you're in pain. And so for me, the pain was physical and subsequently emotional. But for others, pain might be of not being able to have a family, financial trouble, losing your job, divorce, death of a parent. And so we all have pain. And if we can stop running from our pain, if we can stop squashing it down and pushing it aside and chasing the good life, then actually we develop this sense of happiness that feels much deeper and more real. And so I realized through my experience with chronic pain that happiness isn't this place we strive towards when everything is going well. Happiness is actually our capacity to be with the joy and the sorrow. And so that was really a message that came through for me and I explored sharing it with people and I realized the message was resonating with a lot of people. So I developed these 10 pathways. So how do you be present for your entire life, the joys and the sorrows? And the pathways are things like awareness, compassion, gratitude, vitality, purpose, acceptance. And so the idea is no matter how you're feeling in that day, you press play on one of these pathways in the app. You choose which one because you know what makes you happy. And you create neural pathways. You create real pathways as in walking that way in life with grateful steps, with greater awareness. And you're really becoming the driver of your happiness because we just have this long history, especially in the Western world, of outsourcing our happiness. We'll be happy when we've paid off the mortgage, we have a new couch, the kids are a bit older, we lose some weight. And so the app really is an invitation for people to explore what would make them uniquely happy on that day, given their challenges and their joys. Exactly. Exactly true. So that's a great initiative, I would say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you're uh, like in your self-help book, 10 Pathways, uh, uh, like you outline a science-backed and uh, spiritually informed framework for the happiness and uh, that actually lasts. So uh, could you share some insights into these pathways and uh, how they can lead to a more fulfilled life? Of course. So the first pathway is awareness because so many of us in our busy modern lives just walk through our days in a trance, the trance of our to-do list, the trance of striving to get to the next place, to achieve that next thing. And 
we're sort of actually not aware of our thoughts, our physical sensations, the emotions within our heart. And so without awareness, we really can't access all those other beautiful qualities like love, compassion, gratitude, vitality. So that's where we start. And becoming aware of our thoughts, the horrible, nasty thoughts we tell ourselves, the fear-based thoughts, the ruminations, the replaying. When we become aware of all of that, there's this sense of spaciousness and we get to choose. So awareness would be the first pathway. I think calm, knowing how to calm down your nervous system is a very, very powerful thing. So many people experience constant low-level stress and they don't even realize they're stressed. And that builds up over time and then we get ill health, we get sick, our relationships suffer. So being able to take small moments each day when we just calm our nervous system through breathing, through noticing sounds in our environment, through engaging our senses, that's a beautiful pathway. One of the other very powerful pathways is gratitude. And unfortunately, gratitude is one of those qualities that has been talked about and done on social media so much that people are bored of it before they've really given it a go. But the power of gratitude, it's much more than a hashtag. It's feeling into a sense of fullness and satisfaction for what's there in your life. Your life doesn't need to be perfect in order to feel grateful. And gratitude softens our body. It soothes our nervous system. It promotes healing. It strengthens relationships. It increases resilience. It's incredible. So if we could all just explore and open to a little more gratitude each day, we would find our level of happiness and resilience really shifts. And then there's other pathways. A big one is purpose. I think in the Western world, especially, there's a lot of pressure in the spiritual world to define our purpose. People want to be able to define it in one sentence. Mm. But the truth is, presence, just being there for our entire life can be enough, can be purposeful. So I think allowing people to tap into their heart, their values, what really guides them and makes them feel fulfilled, that's a very powerful pathway. And then the final pathway, there are 10, but I'm shooting to the end. The final pathway, which I think is the hardest (laughs) (laughs) for all of us, is acceptance. Because people have this idea that acceptance is resignation, it's giving up, it's sitting on the couch eating chocolate biscuits and not trying anymore. But acceptance isn't resignation. Acceptance is expanding our awareness large enough to see a much bigger context. And when we accept when we let go of the resistance, when we soften, that's actually when the change can happen. The change doesn't happen from pushing up against ourselves. And so the irony is for a lot of people, and me included, we need to accept our challenges before we can learn and grow and expand through them. Lovely. 
Lovely, that's so lovely. So observing like uh, what's growing in our mind uh, garden and uh, becoming more aware of our thoughts is essential for self-discovery and the growth. So uh, like could you share some practical techniques or maybe the meditation practices that can help uh, individuals cultivate compassion, kindness and love while effectively addressing the um, negative emotions and the thoughts? Sure. So you can pause at any time during your day, in the kitchen, when you're cooking, in the car, on the way home from work, when you're having a walk, and you can pause and just take a few breaths and just ask yourselves, Mm. where are my thoughts right now? Are they in the past? Are they in the future? And if I had to give them a name, how would I name them? Would I name it replaying? Am I replaying a conversation or an event? Would I call it rumination? Mm. Would I call it worry? Or have my thoughts gone into the future? And would I call them planning, micro-planning, controlling, fantasizing, imagining, hoping, wanting? So all of our thoughts can fit into a thinking category. And so by naming the category we're already creating some space. We've already pulled away from the content of the thought and we're like, okay, I'm just striving here. That's what these thoughts are or I'm ruminating. And then when we've got that space, we can get curious. Oh, where do I feel that in my body? Because thoughts are much more than just ideas and words roaming around in our mind. They have a physical expression. So When I'm ruminating about that silly thing I said, do I feel it across my eyes? Do I feel it as a heaviness across my chest? Does my neck get tight? And then you can offer whatever part of your body is feeling that thought, just some breath and a sense of spaciousness and relaxation. And by doing that, you've already circuit breaked those ruminations or those thoughts you've come back into yourself and from that awareness you can be like okay what would I like to invite in would I like to invite in a compassionate phrase hey Fleur you're doing really well you tried your best everyone makes mistakes it's okay would I like to invite in some perspective Uh, don't sweat the small stuff. They won't remember what you said anyway. Or would I like to invite in some humor Mm. or some kindness? So we become aware of the negative thoughts. We name their category. We feel their expression in our body. We soften the body. And then from there, we invite in a thought that's more kind, that's more positive, that's more optimistic. And that's what I call attending to the garden of your mind. So you pull the weeds and you plant the seeds. And the point is not to never get a weed because gardens get weeds, that's just nature. And our minds have critical thoughts, that's just how we are. So instead of getting cross, oh, here's that rumination again, I thought I'd gotten over that. We're like, okay, here it is again. I've noticed it, I'm creating space, I'm breathing and I'm choosing another thought. And every time you make that conscious decision, to choose a thought that supports your resilience, your well-being and your happiness, 
you're just putting one extra in the bank and you're strengthening those neural pathways for those more positive things, which makes it easier to do that next time. Lovely. That's really lovely, I would say. So, um, like as people embark on their uh, mind gardening journey, uh, they may encounter challenges and the uh, weeds that uh, need uh, tending. So how can individuals uh, overcome obstacles and uh, develop the resilience in their pursuit of lasting happiness? Mm. I think there's a lot of humanity involved in this work. People often think that spiritual work or mindfulness work will feel all happy and light and joyful. But actually, when we attempt to get to know ourselves more deeply, we have to deal with the shadows. We have to deal with the parts of ourselves that we've resisted, that we're ashamed of, that we don't particularly like. And so I think when we do this inner work, we need to bring a sense of curiosity, a sense of humor, and a sense of compassion because we're going to uncover some things that we've pushed down. We haven't wanted to look at the voice of judgment, just how mean we are to ourselves, uh, how critical we can be of those we love. And so if we understand these things with a sense of curiosity, a sense of humor, and a sense of compassion, it makes it a lot easier. That's true. So, uh, like research uh, suggests that um, contact with nature and the gardening uh, can improve the mental health and the well-being. So, uh, how do you incorporate the principles of nature and the outdoors into uh, your meditation practices and the teachings uh, to enhance the overall experience? Oh, what a terrific question because awe and wonder is my favorite thing. If I'm ever feeling anxious, tired, overwhelmed, caught in my mind, or wonder is my go-to practice for shifting me out. Um, so in my guided meditations, I introduce a lot of nature. So we breathe with a sense of ebb and flow like the tide. I often introduce the seasons into my meditation practices. Um, I introduce ideas like we are like a tree grounded with a sense of roots and a sense of flourishing and movement at the top. I introduce ideas like we can be as expansive as the sky, as grounded and strong as a mountain, as beautiful and wide and thoughtful as a horizon line. So bringing these natural elements into my guided meditations is definitely something I could, I do. And then for people just in their everyday life, going into your back garden, having a walk in the street and engaging your senses. So you feel your feet on the ground. You feel the temperature of the breeze on your skin. You notice the sky, you connect with the season, you listen to a bird, um, the wind. So engaging your senses in a natural environment will naturally bring you down from that busy, critical thinking mind 
into your body and into a sense of connection. And people often think that they can only experience nature on the weekend when they have a walk in the mountains or they have time off work. But the truth is you could look out your window and look at the sky. You could walk out your front door if you live in an apartment and feel the sun just on your face. Um, So we can have these small moments that don't need to be extraordinary, but we can make them bigger and allow them to have more of an impression by really being present and engaging our senses. And for me, my favorite practice around nature is connecting with the seasons. So I will go outside and I'll just notice the season that I am in And I will just have a lesson from that season. What does that season do beautifully? We're in winter at the moment. There's a shedding. There's a letting go. The trees are bare. The light is more gentle. The wind is reduced. So how can I cultivate that stillness within me? How can I allow myself to feel bare and still full? How can I retire a little more into my inner world and hibernate like the animals are. So if you're in summer, there's a feeling of vibrancy and zest and aliveness. How can you allow summer to help you feel more energized? So nature is always there to inspire us, to support us, and to soothe us when life feels hard. Lovely. That's really lovely, I would say. So, uh, like, uh, gardening has also shown uh, to have the positive effects on the mental health and uh, your work has a strong connection to the idea of cultivating the mental garden. So, um, how do you see the parallels between uh, nurturing a physical garden and cultivating a mental well-being? Oh, I love this question. And my husband will laugh because he does all the gardening. I'm terrible. (laughs) I'm too busy gardening in my mind. (laughs) Um, I think that, again, it's this sensate experience. So it's the hands in the soil, feeling the nutrients, the earth, it's the temperature. It's getting down on your hands and your knees and feeling the earth. There's a sense of grounding in that there's the colors and the vibrancy and the energy that comes from plants, from planting, from attending to. There's that beautiful sense that comes from watching things grow or flourish or begin. There's that beautiful sense of how nature lets go. So the leaves fall in your trees and you pick them up and you hear the crunching leaves and then you put them in the compost. There's this beautiful, we're doing, but we're doing in a way that doesn't feel stressful and that feels more organic and in tune with nature's cycles because so often we're doing, but it's against the grind of nature. It's striving, it's productivity. So to do in the context of nature, I think feels very different. And there's a sense of respect and honour and ceremony, I think, when we attend to our gardens, there's that ritual, there's that slowing down. And I think if we could take that way of being 
into the way we attend to our mental garden, that would be so beautiful. So imagine if we had a self-critical thought and instead of going, oh, Fleur, there you go again. I thought you were over this. You're like, okay, I'm gardening. I'll be gentle with this thought. This thought can be there. There's nothing wrong. I'll pull it out gently. I'll be curious about it. I'll notice it. So I think it's the texture and the way we do it. We, we're, we're gentle and present and organic in the garden. And wouldn't it be lovely if we could do that with our internal world as well? Wow, that's lovely. So like before we uh, before we wrap up, like uh, your 10 pathways framework has already uh, positively impacted over one like people worldwide. So uh, what are some inspiring stories or the testimonials uh, from the individuals who have adopted your approach and experienced the transformative changes in their lives? That's a terrific question. The biggest thing I notice time and time again is people developing a sense of inner friendliness. People realizing just how mean and hard they had been on themselves and learning to treat themselves like they would treat a family or friend. Because most of us have been self-critical our entire life and it can be very very confronting when we realize just how hard we are on ourselves and so when we realize that and then we start to be more forgiving more understanding more accepting and this happens for so many people that is incredibly inspiring and then what happens when people are more friendly towards themselves is they're more confident. They put themselves out there. They go to social things. They try new things. They write poetry. They sing. They join a soccer club. They go for that promotion. So the self, the inner criticism doesn't help us live a big and bold and beautiful life. So when we learn to be more friendly, more kind and compassionate, we actually do really brave things. We speak up. We ask for what we need. Uh, we forgive people. We move on. And so then some of the other stories would definitely be people being more kind to their bodies, people who have for years been critical about the way they look, the physical pain they experience, their aging body, the things their bodies can't do anymore this real sense of respect for their body. So that's a beautiful thing. People definitely talk about improved relationships with their children, their adult children. That's a really big one. Another big one that comes up is parents who have adult children who are having a hard time. They might have a sickness. They might have financial stress. They might be divorced. So an older parent being able to feel more spacious and more, more equanimity towards the life of their child. So that's a really powerful one. And another one that people experience is retired people 
who have worked their entire life to get to a certain place and they get there and they're like, oh, this is all the things I hoped for and dreamed, but still I feel a little empty. So meditation helps them feel more purposeful, more courageous to contribute in society, uh, more willing to have hard conversations. And then there's um, people who just really feel less stressed because of meditation. People who have type A personalities that are out there with a big corporate job, uh, they've got kids, they do sport, they volunteer, and they're pulled in all directions. And meditation is just their moment to have a break, to connect with themselves and to recharge. Exactly. Exactly. So thank you for joining on this insightful journey of uh, nurturing the garden of your mind and cultivating the mental wellness and the resilience with our exceptional guests, Freer Chambers. So uh, we hope that uh, you have found this inspiration in her profound insights and the expertise as a uh, multi-award winning meditation teacher, uh, creator of the Happy Habit Hab and the best-selling author of the self-help book In Pathways and compassionate philanthropist. So uh, like Fleur's uh, science-backed and spiritually uh, informed framework for happiness through 10 pathways has touched the lives of over 1 lakh people as I already mentioned uh, globally so uh, empowering them to like uh, to embrace the challenges and uh, lead more authentic and vibrant and the meaningful lives so we extend our heart-free gratitude to our loyal uh, listeners who have chosen to spend their valuable time with us and your support and engagement means the world to us. And we definitely appreciate you being a part of our podcast community. So if you have enjoyed this today's episode and wish to stay connected, do not forget to subscribe to our podcast to receive updates on future episodes. So we would love to hear your thoughts. And so please leave us a review and share your feedback. Your reviews are not only motivators, but also help us discover the value of this podcast. So always remember that uh, you are the uh, foundation of this podcast and uh, we are here to serve you. So if, if you have any specific topics or uh, guests you would like to like us to feature in the upcoming episodes, please feel free to reach out to us on our website or the social media. So as we conclude, uh, let's continue our journey of nurturing our uh, mental gardens and uh, cultivating the resilience and spreading kindness and love. So remember that small acts of self-compassion can create a ripple effect of positive change in our lives and the lives of those around us. So stay tuned for more empowering episodes that ignite your passion for mental well-being and uh, the growth. So until next time, take care, be kind to yourself and others and keep nurturing the garden of your mind. So thank you so much. Thank you.